Back to the Ticket Water Cooler on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Across the Husker Nation as Carter Nelson, Ainsworth tight end, has committed to Nebraska. Of course, Nebraska the last couple of years has done very good at recruiting tight ends. Well, hopefully we'll see that hit the field. Now, they've actually done pretty good on the field as well. Uh, shout out to Austin Allen and, uh, you know, some of the guys have been playing over the last couple of years. But uh, I-, I thought it was funny because you're talking during the break of people are really hyping up Nebraska's tight end recruiting profiles. Yeah, because I saw now somebody. Thomas Pedoni and Eric Gilbert and now uh, Carter Nelson, all top top guys in their class. They're like number two of the number one tight ends in their class and the number two tight end in his class. And it was like, are we tight end you? Like, no. No. <laughs> Not until they do something afterwards. You can't be tight end you just because you get them. Can you be anything you if you haven't been to a bowl game since 2016? <laughs> Unless all of the players on those teams are going pro and like doing well and you just – have a bad coach, I you could. Uh, it'd be very I think difficult. you could. It'd be it'd very be, difficult. Yeah, like you're you're perpetually like five wins, but all of your players are like high level NFL talents. I just out of one position group. Yeah, just like the tight ends are going crazy. You're just like you have the best tight ends. You have the best tight ends and quarterbacks, but like your offensive line is always trash, and your wide receivers <laughs> are trash, and your running backs are trash, and they're just like, well, at least you have good quarterbacks and tight ends, so that's cool. Well, Can't win a game because of it. And obviously that 2000. Uh, uh, 21 team wasn't trash. It did finish three and nine, which is trash, but uh, it, it was not trash altogether. But Austin Allen's uh, year, that was like a, as good a year as you've seen from a tight end as far as statistically uh, for Nebraska. Uh, I have to go back and look at those numbers because I was going to ask you if you, if you could see Carter Nelson down the line uh, doing that sort of thing. Of course, it is all, um, you know, maybe you could kind of say the th- same thing about Thomas Fedoni. Nobody's given up on him. Obviously, like we've said earlier, a uh, bit of an injury-riddled start to his career. Hopefully, we, we see that, that change this year. But again, back to, to Austin Allen. Uh, these were his numbers in 2021. 602 yards receiving uh, 38 receptions, only two touchdowns, um, but still, um, that's a heck of heck of a year to have. I, that, I, that's hard to ask any tight end. I don't care how you know ballyhooed they are coming in to to do that, but yeah, mm-hmm. maybe down the line you'll see it. Nebraska, um, it, it's interesting just to see where all this goes. We still don't know what the offense is necessarily going to look like. We, no. we've heard a lot of two tight end sets and fullbacks and all that. We're going to run the ball. Well, we'll see. I, well, I mean, you have Jeff Sim again. We'll go through this again. You have Jeff Sims, who hopefully has improved as a passer, isn't a, a bad passer, is pretty is pretty good passer, but not uh, not anything to write home about. Mm-hmm. Um, very athletic, very good with his legs, with his feet. Um, and if you take advantage of that, and he's able to avoid injury, which hasn't been able to, which Nebraska hasn't been able to avoid with their quarterbacks in the last few years. Again, different coaching staff, different, you know, uh, uh, weight staff, different all this stuff. Um, so you, I, we could forget about that, but it's kind of hard to forget about it. Um, depending on what they decide to do, we've heard again, like you said, two tight ends running the ball. Um, if you're going to do that, and then you have all of these weapons at wide receiver and tight end. I mean, are you just going to ask them to, to, to block or are, you, are they going to you're going to be able to use their abilities to the fullest? And I understand that there there are ways to use them to the fullest and still get the most out of them. But at the same time, if you're going to have I mean, you just your last recruiting class, you had six wide receivers. I, I believe it was around. It was six wide receivers come into the class, yeah. a couple speed demons uh, along with that. 
And I know you could run some play action and just chuck it down to them, but you know if they're getting three catches a game, how 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 great is that really going to be? And you know that with the threat of the transfer portal, I understand you're not going to make everybody happy, but with all of the weapons that you do have, you're going to have to find a way to get a lot of different people involved. Well, I think it's interesting too. I mean, Marcus Satterfield, um, you know, and, and Matt Rule, his his pass is kind of the same way. Is it's not necessarily you know, we have this, we're just a smash mouth football team or we're just an air raid football team or, you know, it, it's it's kind of a combination of what works best for the talent that they have on campus, for the talent that they're going to have starting um, and maybe for the league that they play in. And so all this talk, I think, is not necessarily out of Matt Rule's uh, – hip pocket as far as like his favorite playbook or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I think it's, it's what he thinks is going to work in the big 10. Um, and you know, you've, you've got to kind of learn the big 10. We, we, you know, as, as excited as we are about that, this is a hire that doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of big 10 experience outside of playing at Penn state, obviously as a walk on, on the other side of the ball mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. But um, you know, there is, you know, have been and certainly for the last couple of staffs, uh, a learning period of what the Big Ten is and how can you adjust to it and, you know, are you even the right style with the, those specific hires? And that brings me to, to my question that I was kind of kind of talking about, um, you know, just from being around the College World Series and, and talking Husker football with different people across the nation. And, uh, you know, I, I, I found the consistent theme of people saying, yeah, they just should have never left the Big 12 to go to the Big 10. Uh, they just don't fit in that conference or, or whatever the case may be or just feel like Nebraska's not tough enough for the Big 10 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, do you buy, I mean, how much do you buy in that? It's been the conference switch that has held Nebraska back for what it's worth. It's Nebraska is not the only team, uh, to struggle with switching conferences in, in the last, uh, couple of years, I suppose. Um, TCU obviously kind of up until recently hadn't been doing great. Yeah, but they weren't doing the greatest. They in made the a, a national championship game, but, uh, Brett McMurphy, uh, tweeted this out. The only four schools that made the power five jump, uh, in the last 12 years, have had more winning seasons than losing seasons in their new conference. Uh, Utah leading that with eight out of 12 years. Um, Pitt, of all people, the next most successful with five, for them. five out of 10. Uh, TCU, five out of 11. But obviously, a championship game appearance makes you feel better. Nebraska, five out of 12 years has not been winning in the Big 12, have a winning record in the Big 10. Um, it's been worse for, obviously, um, some of those jumps to the SEC. Missouri, only two out of 11. Texas A&M, three. Um, Maryland and Rutgers, for what it's worth, zero since they've joined the Big Ten. Yeesh. Zero out of nine. What Colorado, the Pac-12. Colorado, one out of 12. Um, Syracuse, one out of 10. So it's been, it's, it's been a jump. And, and that'll be like middle of the road. Forward. Nebraska kind of is the middle of the road, but also coincides with their worst like eight-year stretch yeah. in Nebraska football history, or at least in recent history. And that's why I, you know, just to me, when I hear that, I just don't think it had a whole lot to do with the Big Ten. Now, I do think that... I think a lot of it was the stylistic hires that Nebraska made uh, in Mike Riley, trying you know trying to find kind of a passing offense or a modern offense with Scott Frost um, that that's going to take you know kind of take over the Big Ten or hopefully mm-hmm. like go, go against the grain. Obviously, mm-hmm. that was the, like everybody's going to run it, so Scott we're going to pass it and we're going to throw yeah. people off. I think that was a big part of it. Now, I do think it hurt Bo Pelini. He he built an, he built a team for the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm was competing better in the Big 12. That also coincided with Carl leaving, uh, you know, going into the Big 10. So and then the defense started getting blown out as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, those things kind of kind of factor in, but to me, like there is no doubt Nebraska has not had the line play 
to compete in the Big Ten. Yeah. But again, is that just because it's Nebraska moving from the Big 12 to the Big Ten, or is that because the emphasis in your hires have, have not been the right places? Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's just the move to the Big Ten. I would say the move to the Big Ten, like you just mentioned, did hurt Bo because he was building to, to – he had rosters set up to win in the Big 12, which you saw with the last two years in the Big 12. Yeah. They made the conference championship. They didn't win it, but they were there. Um, but when you move to the Big Ten – it's just a different. It was just a different style. It was more grounded pound. It was it was bigger, bigger bodies in the trenches. It was you know we're not going to air it out as much. Your defense doesn't really have to be fast, but they're going to have to be very physical um, to go up against um, the likes of a Wisconsin and in Illinois and all these other teams. Whereas when you face a, a Michigan or or an Ohio State. They're gonna have a little bit of a mix of both because they're able to do that. They're that they're just that high of a level that they're they're going to be able to do that. And Nebraska was again more more set to go in the Big Twelve and, and face all of that speed. So what they were going with was smaller, faster guys. And when they got to Peso the Big defense, Twelve, yeah, yeah, when they got to the Big Ten, they were just getting manhandled. And you saw that. And the loss of Carl also obviously hurt them uh, a decent amount. That's when their defenses started, you know, not playing as well. But I, I wouldn't say it's just the move to the Big Ten. I think it's the the mixture of the move to the Big Ten and Bo not being able to adjust to it and then um, deciding to let him go. Um, and I, at least to me, before actually giving him uh, a long enough leash or a chance to get things going uh, in terms of getting people into the program that were prepared to deal with the Big Ten. Um, and then just the hard, hard switch to Mike Riley and just a completely different type of style, um, just trying to go opposite of what Bo Pelini was, that just took Nebraska even further down. So it's not the conference that is the reason for Nebraska not doing well. It's Nebraska. Yeah. It's, it's the decisions that were made after letting go of the coach you had during the transition that led to Nebraska having this, this stretch of not great. Which is, is kind of sad, too, because if you're an older fan that remembers the Big 8, the Big 12 days, when Nebraska had those, you know, that, that mentality of just, you know, the black shirt defense was just that. It was a national brand. People knew about it. You know, the pipeline, all that stuff. Being being that type of program, there was for years arguments with the Big 10 about, well, if they came to the Big 10, you know, Big 10 fans would say, yeah, they wouldn't be as good if they were here. And then Nebraska fans would say, well, absolutely. We, no, we, we would take over. We'd take over. Um, and so you're just not get, you just never got that. You didn't. I get mean, you that made the conference championship game. <laughs> well, yeah. And then you want to forget that you made the that conference championship ugly. game. But it's just it's sad to me because they went from and even in this Big Ten West, which granted isn't a great division. Maybe if Nebraska won it a few times, that doesn't make all that big of a difference over you know the long term period. But what made the, you feel better? The point is that they they basically Nebraska went away. And what I you know I always go with phys- physicality, the blueprint of Nebraska football that where Nebraska is going to have to be. Some people. People disagree. They like modern offenses. They want to see different things. But I'm telling you, um, I'm glad to see Matt Rule bring this type of idea back to Nebraska. I think it's where it needs them. to be. And, and, and certainly you do over time and you, and you get speed. I'm just saying it's kind of sad because if Nebraska would have stuck to the blueprint, I would have been interested to see, like, if they had big offensive lines and defensive lines, mm-hmm. you know, how would have that been able to match up against the Wisconsin and Iowa's and Minnesota's, um, the teams that were winning the Big mm-hmm. Ten? West. Again, you look at Bo Pelini during his, his, you know, couple years in the Big Ten and they were they were getting bigger they were still being physical but they also had that twinge of modern offense with a running quarterback and and the ability to air things out with the wide receivers and tight ends that they did have um and, and they were working on getting the bigger offensive and defensive linemen to compete with those 
behemoths or behemoths, as as Steve Sipple likes to say, uh, in the Big Ten on the offensive and defensive lines. So I, I truly think if you would have given him just just a little bit more, he would have been Bo Pelini, He would have been able to make that transition and keep what he was doing and find more success in the Big Ten. Yeah. I, I, that's just my belief, but um, I don't know. Like you said, the 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 hard switch. The hard switch to, to West Coast, we're going to air it out because you're big and you're not going to be able to keep up with us. It just didn't work because they were big, and even if they weren't keeping up with you, they were stopping you from getting going in the first place. Yeah, and it's it just like over over management. I mean, you kind of think about even the Mike Riley, he's, he's still – and I didn't, I'd never liked that high. I didn't like where it was necessarily going, but he was transitioning from his – you know, Bo's players for his offense and mm-hmm. Tim Beck's offense into his players – uh, which or his offense was which not not necessarily a match, uh, and then you force the defensive change when Mark Baker had like a top thirty defense, um, and you know go with Bob Diaco and it because completely for whatever reason it wasn't good enough. Yeah, so you never really got to see the Mike Riley experience play out necessarily as even he would have wanted. Mm-hmm. But again, just you probably shouldn't have gotten to that though. You yeah. shouldn't have shouldn't never been going have, in the first place. Like you never. The thing is, <laughs> and this is like I know people don't like to hear it. You never really gave Mike Riley a chance. You shouldn't have had to. Like, it shouldn't have gotten to Mike Riley. But he never, like, actually got a chance to get things going. No. And that's that's what I believe. Not 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 to not, not to, to his, his fullest. No, not like, to his fullest. I it, mean his second and again, you know, people it was a fake it was a fake top ten. It was a fake top ten. But yeah. you were nine and zero. Yeah. You were nine and zero. You should have you you should have beaten Wisconsin. Like you that you had that game won. You should have you should whatever. We're not gonna get it. But at that. the same time, his record here is the Mike Riley experience? Like exactly. It, wasn't it was five hundred. It yeah. was five hundred. Yeah, good year here, five hundred year here, bad year there. Yep. That's what he did at Oregon State. And yep. That's why we hired him. So I, you know, I don't know. He did the bet that second year when it was a mix of his players and his style with Bo's players towards the end of Bo's, you know, the the players yeah. that he was able to bring in towards the end of his, you know, run with Nebraska. That was the perfect mix. Yeah. It just he got in his own way. His coaches got in their own way, and that's things fell apart. And then it, and then it got worse. His third year. Because after the third game, I think it was the third one or the fourth one, when the AD was fired, everybody knew he was done. So everybody that says, oh, his team gave up on him, he wasn't coming back. The university gave up on that team. I'll say that for for as long as – which is fine. I mean, I had to do what they had to do. But um, before conference season hit, the AD was fired. Yeah, so they were like, hey, he's done. Yeah. (laughs) So it, it kind of is what it is there. Um, but again, I just I like to brush back against the the perception, and it's there naturally. It is what it is that Nebraska um, competed better in the Big Twelve and maybe were a better fit. I, I just think that they've made bad decisions that have, that have maybe made that narrative fit. Another narrative people have is there's not enough talent in the state of Nebraska. Nebraska's fighting back at that as well with this recruiting class and with Carter Nelson today. The talent has taken an uptick. That's right. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, it'll be time for the crossover. Nick Sainer will jump in studio. We'll get his thoughts on Carter Nelson and also talk a little bit more uh, Husker and college football. Let's do it. Coming up next year on 93.7 The Ticket. 